Philippians 1, 21, Paul's, I'm calling this Paul's treasure verse. And I want you to keep your Bibles open. We're going to actually look, I won't have you turn to all of these passages. I'm going to refer to a number of passages this morning, but so you might want to write the references down as I, as I uh, call them out, but uh, I'll, I'll read them to you. And, but we will look um, at Philippians 1.21, the verses around it. We'll look at a, a couple of verses in Philippians 2, so I encourage you to keep your Bibles open as we study and seek to apply uh, this verse to our lives this morning. Let me pray for us. Just ask the Lord to help us uh, during these moments together before we launch into this wonderful verse. Father in heaven, uh, Lord, we do love you and praise you. We've we've had a a tremendous uh, opportunity already today to en- enjoy singing, to enjoy fellowship, to enjoy the reading of your word, to enjoy lifting up our hearts in petition and prayer to your throne room, to be able to uh, greet one another, to be able to give of the blessings that you have given us, to give back for the glory of your name, to be able to assemble together, come together as a family, a local family of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's already been a tremendous blessing today and a privilege. And yet, Father, your, your word is alive and active and powerful. Your spirit is here with us. Christ is present among his people, and so we know there's more for us today. Help us, Father, to remove from our minds any uh, distractions or hindrances that our spirits might be in tune. You, You have a word for each of us. It might not be the things that I say. It might be how the Spirit applies the Scripture to our individual situations and circumstances. But we know that you are speaking today. We know that your word is at work. And so, Father, we joyfully submit ourselves to Christ. We joyfully submit ourselves to your will and your purpose in our lives. We ask that your word would work in us today. If it be salvation, would you work that in us today? And if it be some form of sanctification of growing in our walk with you, would you work that in us today? If it be reconciliation between ourselves, would you work that in us today? Whatever we need, point us to it through Christ and accomplish it for your glory, we ask in his name, amen. Paul's treasure verse. So last week we focused on really the first part of verse 21 And we called it Paul's life verse because he speaks of how he approaches life as a believer. For me to live is Christ. But we're going to look kind of really the, we're going to hone in on the the second part of verse 21. And I'm calling this Paul's treasure verse now this week. And I get that when 
when Paul, I get that from Paul referring to his death as gain. Gain. In other words, Paul anticipates that what he will experience and and what he will have and, and what he will know on the other side of dying is far greater than, than everything he has experienced and that he's had and that he's known while he was living because he calls it gain. In the same passage in the context, he also calls it far better. In other words, treasure. Paul's treasure verse. And these two You put these two phrases together in verse 21, and and Paul has summed up the Christian journey. Life and death for the believer are are defined by and determined by Christ. There is no greater life in the here and now than living in Christ and living for Christ. There's no greater life in the here and now than that. Jesus said he has come that we may have life and have it abundantly. So the best life on this side of eternity is life in Christ. There's no greater existence than that. And yet as great and as restful and as hopeful and as peaceful and as joyful as this life can be when, when we are in Christ, it doesn't even compare, it doesn't even come close to what's in store for God's people in the life to come. Think about this for just a moment with me. Think about the most joyous occasions in your life up to this point. Think back. What are, what are some of the events that have happened in your life that have absolutely thrilled you, that have absolutely overjoyed you, that you just couldn't contain yourself? It was just um, whether it be answered prayer or, or the day you were saved or, or the day you married your spouse or the day you welcomed your grandchild, whatever it be, those, those wondrous, joyous occasions in your life. Think about that. Think about how you felt. Think about how you experience that. And then multiply that God-given given blessing of grace by about 10 million. Think of the excitement and the thrill and the hope and the joy that you had and multiply that by about 10 million or more. And, and, and then we can begin to comprehend what Paul means when he writes... And to die is gain. We don't put those two words in the same sentence like that. So I want us to really unpack and understand what Paul is saying here because there's something here that I think I'm missing. There's something here that I think we're missing that's something really powerful and tremendous for this life. But in order for us to focus on that second part of the verse, we really have to go back and think a little bit about the first part of the verse again. So the first point of the sermon then is this. Our great example for 
quote-unquote, to live is Christ. The key to dying well is living well. The key to approaching your deathbed with hope and confidence and, and conviction and faith is living with hope and confidence and conviction and faith. For us to know and and believe that to die is gain, it begins by knowing and believing that to live is Christ. Now last week we observed four ways in the context of verse 21, right before it and right after it, that led Paul to this conclusion that to live is Christ. So to sum up last week's message, here it is. Number one, Paul relied on Christ Number two, Paul's allegiance was to Christ. Number three, Paul lived as Christ to others. And then number four, Paul's aim in life was to see others glory in Christ. That is to praise Jesus. To see them live their life praising Jesus. Now the question for us is, how do we learn how to live our days with that same perspective? How do we incorporate those four ideas, those four points from the context of Paul's life and this passage of Scripture into our daily living so that we too discover and realize this wondrous truth that to live is really Christ so that we don't miss out on this real life? And I would suggest to us that the greatest example for us in learning to live is Christ, is Christ. That's our example. He's always our chief example for Christian living. It's Christ himself. Christ is our supreme model for living the Christ-centered life. How do we do that? How How do we incorporate these four things? Well, we simply, we follow Christ. There's no better path to follow. So I'm just going to spend a few moments and walk through a a few passages of Scripture with you. And I I want to make the connection how Christ lived out these four points that we made of Paul's life. And so how Paul lived out these four points and how we are called as believers to live out these four points in our life. And therefore to realize to live is Christ. Number one, Christ lived in reliance upon the Father. Listen to these words from from Christ in John chapter 5 and verse 19. Jesus said this, The Son, speaking of himself, The Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. So you see, Christ lived in reliance upon the Father. He watched the Father, and the moves that the Father made, that's the moves that Christ made. Paul lived in reliance upon Christ. And we are called to do the same. Listen to Christ's words in John 15, 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. 
Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, what church? Nothing. So it's really more than we're called to live in reliance upon Christ. We are absolutely in reliance upon Christ. We just need to realize it and live that way. So that's the first point. Second point, Christ lived in allegiance to the Father. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42, you know the occasion Christ is in the garden before his betrayal and arrest, and he's praying, and he prays these words, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Speaking of his coming, bearing the sin of the world, Nevertheless, he says, not my will, but yours be done. Christ lived in allegiance to the Father. Paul lived in allegiance to Christ. We are called to do the same. Listen to Christ's words. John chapter 14 and verse 15. Listen to these words. Christ said, if you love me, which could be said... If your allegiance is with me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You see, you see those connections? Christ lived this way. Paul lived this way. We live this way. Third thing, Christ lived, listen to this, Christ lived so that we may know Christ. Christ lived so that we may know Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. In this one passage, I, I want us to see how Christ lived that others may know Christ. We know that Paul lived so that others may know Christ. Paul's the one writing this passage in 2 Corinthians. And we then are called to live that others may know Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Listen to this. All this is from God. All of that new birth, all of that new creation, all of that transformation is from God. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see that? He through Christ reconciled us to himself and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He goes on to clarify. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, listen, he goes on to say this, God, listen to this. What's your purpose as a believer here on this earth? Here it is. From the passage, God making his appeal 
through us. God's appeal for the lost, the unsaved, occurs through us. It's amazing. And so Paul concludes that passage. Listen to this. He's really embraced his purpose. He says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see the connection? Christ lives so that we might know Christ. Paul lives so that others might know Christ. We live so that others might know Christ. Fourth thing, Christ lived so that we might glory in Christ. Now look with me to Philippians 2. So you have your Bibles open there at Philippians 1. Look, look with me at Philippians 2. And we'll just catch a couple of verses here. Verse 5. So this, these couple of verses make this connection for us. Christ lived this way. Paul lived this way. We are to live this way. Look at verse 5, though. Here's the connection for us. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. See that? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, the passage goes on. We won't read the whole passage, but it goes on to say, here's the mind of Christ. Christ humbled himself to become a servant, and he lived and he died. For what end? Look with me at verses 10 and 11. What was the ultimate end of Christ coming to this earth? Christmas, right? What was the ultimate end for Christmas? Verses 10 and 11. So that... At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Christ lived that others may glory in Christ. That verse ends, to the glory of God the Father. Christ lived that that others may glorify the Father. We live that others may glorify Christ. Remember verse 5, have this mind among yourselves. So that's really the key, isn't it? How do we live well so that we die well? The key to the abundant life in Christ, the key to living well, the key to realizing that to live is Christ, is Christ. He is the absolute key to it all. We simply follow our Savior. We simply follow our Savior. So that's our rehash of the first part of that verse. That's point one. Point two. Now let's look at the second part of the verse 21. So this is living well, following our Savior. How about dying well? Our great hope that to die is gain. Paul says in verse 23 that to depart and be with Christ is far better but it doesn't feel that way does it 
We don't live as if going to be with the Lord is far better. We don't practically live that way. Death doesn't feel natural to us, does it? It doesn't even feel right. It feels like something is horribly wrong when someone dies. It, it, it feels like something is, is not going correctly. So we, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it. We don't like it. And there's a reason for that. It's actually okay to feel that way. There's a theological reason why we don't think death is right. And the reason for that is God created us to live. Sin brought death. It's not right. Sin brought death. Now Christ came, here's Christmas... Pastor, are you going to preach on Christmas this season? Here's Christmas. Christ came to reverse the curse of sin. So that while as sinners we will physically leave this shell, but as saints we will never die. We just stop breathing here and start breathing there. We don't die. We just cross over. We go on living. Now, when Paul says to depart and be with Christ is far better, he's not making, um, and this is really a, a serious point here, he's not making a Christian apologetic for suicide. And I need to say that. That's suicide, tragically, is becoming more common in our culture. These are not suicidal thoughts that Paul is having in this passage. He's not envisioning taking his life to escape this life. No, in fact, he says in verse 22, if God's plan is for him to continue living, then that means fruitful labor for him. If he's to stay here, God's got work for him to do. But he says to die is Gain. Now, we have some reasons why we'd like to stay around here a little longer, don't we? That's why we, we usually don't walk around talking about to die is gain. We, we have some reasons why we'd like to hang out here on this earth a little longer. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a common notion among us, isn't it? I, I want to go to heaven, just not right now. Right? That's our view. It's not Paul's view. But that's our view. We, we want to enjoy the blessings of God in this life. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm just saying it's different and there's a, there's a, a greater view. We want to grow old with our spouse. We want to have children. We want to see them grown. We want to have grandkids. We want to have great-grandkids. We want to retire and enjoy those years. We, we have a list of reasons. We have a bucket list, right? We have a, a whole list of things that we'd like to do, that we'd like to see, that we'd like to accomplish, that we'd like to experience. And that's why... Sometimes our perspective gets skewed by this life and by this world, and it's almost like to be here is gain. To be here is far better. 
In fact, another way that this comes out is, is we, we spend a lot of time in prayer trying to delay our loved ones entering into heaven, don't we? There's nothing wrong with praying for your, you, for your loved one to be healed, but it's because we, we want them to stay with us and, and we want to stay with them. We don't see their departure as gain initially. It's almost like we try everything we can to, to keep our loved ones here and we try everything we possibly can to keep ourselves here and when, 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 nothing, when none of that works and we actually are dying or our loved one's actually dying, then we say, well, he's, he's in a better place. Now, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Us wanting to maintain our relationships is a good thing. There's a reason for that. God created us for relationships. We're not meant for separation. Sin brings separation. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from others. Sin brings death that separates us for either some time or for eternity, depending on our relationship with Christ. But here's the Christmas. Christ came to reverse the curse of sin. And reunite us in glory where there will be no separation. So see, it's just a matter of that it's not that we're all wrong in these feelings that we have about death. It's just that we need a a fuller perspective on death. In truth, the reason why we see remaining here and our loved ones remaining here sometimes as gain rather than to depart and be with Christ, here's the main reason. It's mainly because we haven't been there yet. This is all we've seen. So this is all we got to go by. Oh, we didn't get a chance to go to that vacation We didn't get a chance to take everybody to Disney World. Listen, heaven is better than Disney World. By a long shot, if you're the parent. It's the most miserable place in the world. (laughs) Our problem is we haven't experienced the unimaginable joy of being with Christ. See, Paul was on to something. If I remain here, it'll be fruitful labor. But if I'm with him, it's far better. Imagine the greatest thing you want to do that you haven't done yet. Paul says, he's far better. Makes it really tough when a young one passes, doesn't it? we think of all the things that in this life they're going to miss. In truth, they're not missing. It's far better. It's not that you miss. It's that you gain. 
You see, this is all we know. So we think this is the best there is. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has begun to imagine all that God has prepared for those who love him. And Paul has already had a glimpse. The Bible has revealed to us many of the wonders of being with Christ, but we don't know the half of it. One split second after our feet touch the golden shores of glory, we will conclude, oh yeah, this is gain. Now y'all hang in there with me. This morning's message, uh, it's not milk and cookies, it's meat and potatoes. And I know you're probably already full, but here comes the dessert, right? So you always have room for dessert. Last night, we went out with my parents. They took us to a new restaurant, seafood restaurant. We got back to my parents' home last night. I was stuffed, had a salmon and I don't even remember. The salmon was so good, I don't know what else I ate. But I ate other stuff. And I was, I was full. We got back to mom's house, and we walked in the kitchen, and I said, so what you got for dessert? <laughs> so you, you always have room for dessert, right? Here's the dessert. Here's the two main reasons why to die is gain. The two main reasons why to die is gain. Number one, it's because of what we leave behind. Not who we leave behind, what we leave behind. Paul says to depart, to leave it, is gain. What's he talking about? One of the reasons being with Christ is gain is because of what we will leave behind. Paul also writes in Romans chapter 7 verse 24, when speaking of us as believers, our ongoing struggle with our own sin and the sin around us and the sin of this world. He says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin and death? In other words, as a believer, there's nothing more that I'd want to do than get away from all this sin and death. When we get to heaven, we will leave behind the presence and power and decay and corruption and deception and allure and death of sin. It will be gone. And that will be gain. Can you imagine a place free from temptation? Can you imagine a place with no more stumbling blocks, no more pitfalls, where our only thought will be to magnify God and not ourself, where sin has no hold and death has no place? There are no hospitals in heaven. There is no medical insurance in heaven. There are no graveyards in glory. In the next life, we will leave behind all the troubles and trials of this life because we will be free from sin. What's the problem? Sin. That's what we're leaving. 
will never again have another lustful or selfish or prideful thought or motive. No more doubt. No more depression. No more pain. No more surgeries. No more separation. No more death. Because there will be no more sin. Friends, that will be gain. Sin really makes a mess of things. We'll, we'll, have, uh, we'll, we'll even have new bodies. But no aches and pains. I slept for seven hours the other night and woke up sore. Because I slept in the same spot all night. Revelation 21 verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Martin's working with pond kids this morning, but I wanted to tell him, good news, Martin, we're not preaching any more funerals. It goes on to say, Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. You see, it's absolutely true to die is gain. Now, that's just the first point, what we leave behind. Here's the second point. Why is to die is gain? It's not only what we leave behind, but it's far more about what we enter into, what we inherit. And I don't want you to miss the main point. Because the streets of gold and the gates of pearl and the place that Christ has prepared for us to dwell, and the angels and all the saints from the Old Testament and New Testament and our saved loved ones and all the giants from church history, these are all secondary blessings. The main reason why to die is gain is this. Listen to Paul. To depart and be with Christ is far better. Far better. Revelation 22, 4 says, they will see his face. Listen to Jesus praying for us in John 17 before he goes to the cross. By the way, God answers all of his son's prayers. Jesus prayed that, that all, to the, all that the Father had given him may be with him him where he is to see his glory that's the point of christmas christ came to us so that we might go to him christ didn't die merely to bring us to his location Christ did not die just to bring us to heaven. He died to bring us to him. And that's what makes heaven. That's gain. That's treasure. My friends, we can't we simply cannot fathom how wondrous and joyful the bliss of glory will be. Namely, because we will be with our Savior in his 
rightful, unveiled, unencumbered, brilliant, radiant glory. And that's why Paul says, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. There are a lot of things in this life that I don't know. I'm not as smart as I look or sound. There's a lot of things I'm not sure of, but this one thing I know, this one thing I absolutely know. On December... <clears throat> I didn't have in my notes I was going to cry. On December the 27th, 1987, God grabbed my heart and he said son you've played church long enough it's time to give your life to me by his grace I I repented of my selfish prideful sinful hypocritical Ways and surrendered my life to Christ. And he, just out of pure grace, saved my soul and forgave me of my sin and made me his own and reconciled me to the Father and adopted me and justified me, gave me a brand new life, and I'd done nothing to deserve it. I still don't. I love Jesus today because he first loved me. When my time comes to leave this life, Because of who Jesus is and because of what he's done for me, I will wake up in glory. That's the one thing I know. Now listen very carefully. I don't preach for the pay. I don't preach for the applause. Lord knows I don't preach for the criticism. I preach because I want every single one of you to come to glory with me. I want you to be able to say before you leave this room, that's the one thing you know. That's the one thing you know. You've tried to convince yourself you're okay with God. That's been long enough. You've wrestled with sin long enough. Like me, you played the part long enough, but now is the time, today is the day for you to have new life in Christ. Now is the time, today is the day to forget about every every other person in this room and focus on you and God and for you to be able to say before you leave this place, for me, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Let's pray.
Father, in these next few moments, we ask that you would speak far louder than anything I've said today. (laughs) And if there's someone gathered with us today who's holding on tightly to anything other than Christ, may they let go of the lesser and cling to the far better. Help them right now by your grace. Call them to yourself. Give them what they need, the faith and repentance they need, that their lives may be completely turned around and they may be made new in Christ right here, right now, this day. And for the rest of us gathered this morning, it's just living in this life and living in this world, the pressures, the joys, the trials, The mountains, the valleys, the busyness, the hustle, the bustle, it all gets in the way and we just lose our way and lose our perspective and lose our footing and lose our sight that living is Christ, so dying is gain. So call us as those who are in your family today, renew and refresh and revive our faith in you. We ask it in Christ's name, amen.